Hello, hello, hello. So another Monday. Um, I hope everybody had a great weekend. I hope the weather has been better where you're located than it has been here. Um, it's been a nightmare, but we've made it to another Monday. And I saw the poll in the classroom or um, in the Facebook page, by the way. And I am still determined to find a date that works better for people. So um, I'm not dead set on Wednesday yet. If anybody has any ideas or can give any more definitive times, especially some of you that are more loyal live watchers um, who've had the schedule changes, text me some times that would work and maybe I can find a commonality I didn't think about and move some stuff around, okay? So um, I will figure that out, but for now, Mondays. So today we're gonna talk about black and white thinking. Um, and this has been, I feel like I say this all the time, but you know how they have like, you hang out with enough people that like your periods sync up. I feel like people in CCA's problems or like struggles sync up, you know? Um, and this has been, so I'm sure a bunch of you watching tonight or listening to the recording are gonna be like, did she feature our call? But no, it's just been something that has come up a lot. So <clears throat> I figured it would be good for a Zoom. So black and white thinking in the way that I refer to it is just thinking that something is all definitively one thing or the other. And it's our initial impact, our initial fear, our thought, the way we process something is that like automatically it's good or bad. It's gonna you know, go my way or not that there are, we don't think of all, all of the possibilities in between. Um, we don't think of the possibilities we can't even think about, you know, like that we can't see coming. Cause I know a bunch of you guys, all of us in here, I'd be willing to bet have had something happen. They didn't see coming together, good or bad, right? So that being said, if we can't ever really prepare, we can't ever really know definitively if something is good or bad, right? So we do this as a safety measure to kind of like keep ourselves in check, to not get ahead of ourselves, not get our hopes up, not miss something and be, you know, fooled or blindsided, not waste our time. This sound like a common theme for any of you guys as you're hearing it. Have you ever done this before? Immediately write something off as all one way or the other because that's just how your brain goes rather than thinking of the middle ground. Tell me in the chat if you relate to this so far. Because I've definitely done that. And I think a lot of people with imposter syndrome probably go through this as well. Um, you know, where it's like, it, it can't possibly be that, you know, you your boss called you in for a meeting because you're doing great. Or because they just want to chat with you. Um, some one of my clients this week was like so surprised because they were on a call and they were like, yeah, I have nothing to talk to you about. I just want to see how you're doing. And that was one of those like gray or color areas that aren't all black or white. You didn't see coming, you know, because it's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, um, but automatically it's that feeling. But we almost think of it like if I think of the worst case, this is like catastrophizing, right? Like if I think of the worst case, I can be prepared for it. And if it's anything that's not as bad as that worst case, well, then I'll be pleasantly surprised. And instead of just feeling like, yeah, okay, maybe we're like technically safer. And if you don't want to look at the like, you know, um, inspirational side of like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? But like, really, ultimately, you don't even feel safe as you're doing that. You're just, you're living in the fear of failing as if it's happened already, 
when it doesn't even necessarily need to be something you experience. So is it safe? If that's the, the place you're operating from, you know, and we now know that it's, it causes physical effects as well to have this, this stress going. So we think we're doing the safer thing by being more realistic, quote unquote, but it's not about being realistic. It's about feeling like we're, we're not going to get let down. We'd still get let down. We're not going to like that outcome any more if we were expecting it to be shit and it turns out to be shit. Right. So <clears throat> Some ideas, some things I had jotted down here, you know, like someone thinking you're going to get fired if you get a meeting called, um, assuming friends don't like you if they told each other something and just didn't think to tell you the same thing. Um, thinking something is automatically going to be something that you got to grit and bear it and get through. You know, um, like this is common too with getting extra diagnoses. Like you have an autoimmune disease. We all know this is the thing we're trying to avoid and, and fight. And that is you can bring on other autoimmunes and other diagnoses that happen. And I, I'm not saying that like, you know, I think everyone should feel their feelings, but it's our human nature to immediately think of it as something new to worry about, something new to have to get through, something to grit and bear it through, you know, and we're going into that thinking that if I think of it that way, I'm going to get through it easier. But instead, you're like, like going into it tensed up, like ready for impact, you know? It's just human nature. It just feels safer to be that way. It feels too flippant to not be that way. Um, you know, assuming, what did I write here? Thinking that because one person faced one hurdle in their business, that for my business owner, um, people in here, that because one hurdle was faced in one thing, that that will be the same hurdle that you'll face as well. And it's, as we sit and think about it, you can be like, yeah, I'm sure other things can happen, but it's that immediate fight or flight response that affects our hormones that we want to try and change. Because if it's unnecessary stress, it's unnecessary inflammation, right? Um, so I'm going to go through the, the chat, but like, who's relating to this? Who's connecting with this? Tell me what your thoughts are. You know, I'm a feedback queen. So tell me your thoughts as you're hearing this, um, especially at work, very common at work that, oh my God, work with imposter syndrome, because also we can take a lot of pride in being not workaholics like to a bat to a detriment, but we take our work so seriously in terms of our perfection because it's the place we feel we have the most control. We can't, you know, like like nobody knows our past lives there where they're not responsible to. They only need to know you based on your performance. So it becomes our main beacon of pride because that's the image we can curate. That's the image that we can put out for other people to see. And it, it becomes so, such high pressure to maintain the best possible image. Um, and even when we're doing really well, we don't even let ourselves feel that we're doing really well. Um, I know that <laughs> ask me how I know, <laughs> um, I always do this constantly. I always assume the worst Yasmin, we all do. We mean, well, been unlearning it, but it causes anxiety still. I feel this at work. Yep. I realize I have pretty bad social anxiety. So everything in groups, I assume the worst. Totally. I I've done this as well. Like especially growing up um, neurodivergent and like having no diagnose, diagnosis of it, um, but just being different. It was like, I basically learned how to mask based on the reaction I perceived from other people. If they seem to be weirded out by me, okay, I got to try and be more friendly. 
Um, if they seem weirded out by me when I'm more friendly, okay, maybe I got to key it back and just like agree, you know, like it sucked, but I learned a lot of my, my social skills based on what I perceived other people's thoughts to be of me. Um, and I didn't realize that my trauma could have made it so that I had no fucking idea what they were thinking, you know, like, y'all know, I think I, I talk about being intuitive, being a medium, you know, and, but I'm not sitting here thinking, I'm not like reading people's minds as they're in front of me. I, from trauma, like my, many of you, I'm sure have gotten very adept at picking up like every little bit of someone's vibe. It's just our defense mechanism that's built in. But ultimately, if we're thinking from a place of fear and negativity, because we don't want them to be thinking badly of us and we do want them to accept us, if that's what we're thinking, then that's what we're going to imagine that unless they are over the top, friendly, loving, you know, just so well, which is scary. Like if someone's like that out the gate they're they might be love bombing you. But besides that, like if they're not like that, that leaves so much room for interpretation for us that we start to pimp to pick up on every little vibe. And before you know it, I don't fit in. I don't mesh. We don't connect. It's a very common thing. Um, and, I mean, hey, they may be assholes. There's that possibility as well. But like the other side of it is that we we try to just pick up on things and assume to keep ourselves safe. So I've been so good at about picking up everyone's emotional energy and obsessed since I was little. It was a survival mechanism and I never lost it. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Like I have to remind myself in situations, like I'm not gonna lie, like I was going into the retreat that I hosted being like, what if like they just feel like I'm really weird in person? And I had to coach myself using what I'm going to teach you guys today on that very thing. And it's like, these are people who are literally paying to fly sometimes, like some of you guys across the country to come see me to hear what it is that I have to say. And I'm like, what if I don't, I'm not fitting in right? You know, like, it's just, it's this thing. And then I noticed it at first, like picking up on, not in terms of what they thought of me, but how happy people were with the, the retreat. You know, like how happy they were with food. I had to keep reminding myself, like, you are obviously going to be hyper aware and you don't know what people are thinking. And it's like, if you like it, it's fine. Like you're not imagining that that shit's good, you know, um, but it's there. It's a mechanism. Like, you know, I have to remind myself to be like, take a step back. This isn't actual. This isn't actual factual. This is safety protocol, you know, um, and the thing that makes that easier to let go of is not that everything will be okay if you let go of that safety protocol. Cause that, that I thought was a bunch of bullshit. Cause like people probably like, you No, people probably think I'm weird, you know, like it's whatever we, everyone thinks everyone's a little weird from this part of the country. So, you know, um, but I think for me, the reality of it was that I'm strong enough to weather whatever it is people really do think of me. Like I am, I can own who I am. And if somebody has a perception of me and it's different than who I am, they're allowed to have that perception because I know that I'm not in any danger anymore. It's not like when I was a kid, you know, I'm not in danger if I let that guard down because people can just like screw right off, you know, or they could be completely not how I'm reading them and be wonderful. You know, um, this, I try to remind myself that the, the stakes are lower than they used to be so that letting that guard down feels like less intimidating, even if it still is. I hope that makes sense. I don't know who iPhone is, but iPhone, I hope that helps. Um, 
it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy too. Yeah, absolutely. If I think of someone's energy is off because they used a period instead of exclamation, then I start to act weird and clingy and then they start to actually feel weird in response. Oh my God, this totally happens. Um, anyone seen Tommy Boy? Was it Tommy Boy? Where he's like, um, what was the movie? Where he's like, he has like a little toy and he's like, and you love it and you want to pet it and then you just squeeze the life out of it, right? Like we don't do that on purpose. That's attachment styles, baby. You know, like that. that is just, and, and when you're already, yeah, Tommy Boy. Oh my God, I heard the voice in my head as I started doing it. Caress it. Oh my God. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's like, if you're weird, they're going to be weird. That's what I remind myself too. Like if I act like I don't give a shit about anything, what can people say that I don't give a shit about anything? All right. You know, um, and that's a mask, honestly, in and of itself. And it, it's a lot of work to try and not have to have that mask. But, you know, I think that anybody who says you should completely unmask and be okay with that, like maybe is just trying to get clicks because there's, I think, or they're just not being real, you know? Anyway, before I tangent. Um, so for you guys, what do you, what seems scary about letting that go? What is the scariest part of letting go of the immediately thinking of like, what could be the most wrong situation to happen? What, what do I have to be prepared of? It's either this or that. What is the scariest thing involved in letting that go? What are you fearful will happen? I will get hurt physically or mentally. Valid. And who the hell is going to sign up for that, you know? What else? What else do you guys think is the worst thing that will happen if you let go of that hyper scrutiny or that hyper awareness, that, that black or white thinking? What, what's the worst thing that can come from that? I'll lose control. And what would lose control look like? Because that's the most common answer is I'll lose control. I'll go off the rails. I'll go off the deep end. But like, what is that? What is off the rails? What is off the deep end? Having to start over, being hurt and capital F failure. Yeah, I won't be able to handle it and have a mental breakdown, lose my job, have to live in a box. <laughs> I mean to laugh, but I immediately just pictured a box. These are all very real feelings. Now, we know that the logic behind it isn't that we'll let this ever happen. Because I know any one of you guys, you're not going to, what, like, go join the circus, go sell off all your earthly possessions and join the monks. Like, you know, you're not going to throw caution to the wind and eat bonbons all day long. Screw it all. You know, like, ultimately, as people, look at how stringent you keep yourselves to keep safe. How could you go from black or white? How could you go from one extreme of hyper rigidity to complete abandon? Is it even in your personality to be complete abandon? Is it even enjoyable or something you'd want to be complete abandon? Like, what would you even do with yourself? Like, if someone was like, fuck it, throw caution to the wind, you know, we'd, we'd all, I feel like most of us would be like, I think I'm going to get my nails done, you know, like, or something like that, you know, like, I think I'm going to go to a restaurant or I don't know, like, it's what the hell will we do? 
And I think if it's anything that crazy that you go and do, it's probably something you've thought of for a real long time. Maybe you should, you know? Um, I mean, maybe not live in the box, but you know what I mean? So I agree to with failure it will affect the perception of my family. Maybe the financial impact on my family. My family is very collectivistic. Ooh, it's a good word. I would probably order a Greek takeout for a meal and watch some Netflix. Oh man, that's it. That's it. Someone, someone draw up the conservatorship. That's it. Put down the clippers, you know, like, no, we would just not be burdened down with this feeling of failure, even if we haven't failed. That's not going to keep you from being like, I quit this job. I'm going to go hit the road. You know, like that's, you got bills. Like, you know, you might not be mad at yourself anymore, but you're going to be mad at your bills. Your bills got to get paid, right? So you'll know that. It's, it's not throw caution to the wind. It's just that our brain is the black and white thinking because I said, what's the worst part of that? And our brains went right away to like, to us blowing our lives up. But is that really what I asked? That's just, that's the fear, right? But what's the worst thing that would happen for tomorrow, let's say, if all day tomorrow you woke up and you didn't think the worst was going to happen and you proceeded as normal without thinking the worst was going to happen. If you look back on the history of your life, tomorrow will probably go what? The same as every other day except the only difference would be you wouldn't think that everything's going to blow up tomorrow. It will either blow up or it won't blow up, especially these days. Right? Like, but <laughs> weird pun, dark humor intended. Um, but you know, like ultimately that's the black or white thinking. That's the fear, the panic that it creates is like, ultimately, if I let go of that, I have no say, but you're still in your body you're still in your brain. You still have control over your decisions. You still have control over your conversations, your motivation, what you get done in the day. All of that's the same. Everything is the same. So the reason that I am making this, you know, kind of weird, deeper than I think everyone thought it was going to be topic is who wants to learn how to change this? Who wants to be able to wake up one day and just go on with their lives aware sharp, prepared on top of things, but without the feeling of they've already sucked at everything. Like they, they're doomed. Everything's fucked already. No, no redemption. Who wants to get to the point where they don't, they, they just have, let's get through the day. Like, that's it. Who would like that? Tell me in the chat, Send, put an emoji in the chat. If you would love to be someone that just woke up with that feeling, everything's figure outable. got some emojis coming in. Yes. Everyone's like, duh, the fuck am I here for it? So, um, but okay. So I want you to get pen paper. You can put it in your phone. You can put it in the chat, whatever. I'm going to read this like long ass thing, but I want you guys to write it as I'm reading it. Okay. So where is this? I am deciding to suck at something. <laughs> I'm deciding to suck at something. I want to try over and over again. So I'm deciding to suck at something. I want to try over and over again. Until I master it. I want to try it over and over again until I master it, right? I don't expect it to change. 
however many years you've been on this earth, you put this number here. So I don't expect it to change blank amount of years in thinking in one Zoom. I don't expect it to change blank amount of years in, of thinking in one Zoom. But I am committed to trying to learn. I don't expect it to change blank amount of years of thinking in one Zoom, but I am committed to trying to learn. All right. If someone has typed all that out, put it, if you can put it in the chat. All right, there we go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone needed me to repeat it, but that's the, that's the idea is that no one is going to be good at this. No one's going to be good at something that they're trying on when their normal mode of thinking is it's not voluntary. You don't queue up what you should be thinking all day. It just happens because of the culmination of everything you've dealt with and how you are, who you are today. This is, that's what's that, what's there. So by default, we got to be novices at something. We got to suck at it. And you practice like with anything else, you practice enough and, and study it, practice it, whatever, you change it. But to be able to change this is to let go of how you've been and say, not say like, I can't ever be like that because I've been this way. That's more black and white thinking. I'm not saying you're going to be fresh as the, you know, fresh as the white snow where all of a sudden all your trauma is erased when it never, me neither, sorry, you know, but I think that if it's something you really want to learn, it will bring so much space to your daily life in terms of energy, your physical health, mental capacity, like you'll, it, it just helps. Okay. So here's how you're going to learn how to change this. Now that you have committed to sucking at something and practicing it over and over again until you get it. Every time you slip, you have to try and correct yourself. Like take that minute mentally. Because the, the real exercise is in first even pinpointing it. And then once you've pinpointed it, learning how to reprogram the thought. So what is, I'm going to ask you guys this and I'll explain how I'm going to do this. I'm going to show you how I, how I switch it around. Okay. So what is, if you can tell me in the chat, one thing that any of you guys have been recently having black and white thinking on, it's either all good or all bad. It's either the worst or I'm lucky. Like, you know, what, give me an example of a situation if you can in the chat, if you're comfortable sharing. <sighs> What's one situation you guys have been thinking, or you're afraid of an outcome. You're afraid of being um, disappointed, not getting it. I'm bad at sticking to a morning routine. Okay, that's a good one. All right, so um, instead, when you catch yourself being beating yourself up on why don't I have a morning routine? Why aren't I better at having a morning routine? The idea would be to stop and re and physically first, like shake it out a little, just like, no. And then it does something if you just shake it out, right? Like honestly, reset things, but shake it out. And then you go, no, I want to learn how to have a better morning routine. You're not denying that feeling. You're not saying I should be content with whatever. 
you know, you're not like going off the rails and, of, and being irresponsible. You're just going to grow up this routineless human being, but you also don't need to be mad at yourself for not having set up a routine yet. You got time. You got how many years left, you know, whoever willing knows willing, you know, but like, you don't have to be so mad at yourself for not having that routine set up that it stops you from putting a plan into place to begin one, because that's usually the trap we fall into. Right. So instead it's, it's a, a very like mild tweak would be, I really want to get better at having a morning routine. I want to put, I really want to create a morning routine. I stick to, you know, you can make it as specific as you want. And, and just by verbalizing it as a goal, rather than uh, a mark off on your friggin' report card, it's going to make it more possible that it'll actually change. So there's nothing not safe about that, right? So let's see, then we got <clears throat> Corley here. So weekly reviews at work with my boss that they'll be bad. She'll say I'm not performing to expectations, but it hasn't been that way yet. And you know, I think for that, you can always remind yourself how you would turn that around would be like, okay, I really would like some more feedback on how it is I'm doing. That would, you know, I think it would make me feel more secure with my performance if I asked some deeper questions on our next review. And maybe think of it as like, what could you ask that would give you some comfort on that next review? You know, but just the thought of changing, changing the fear into a game plan doesn't invalidate the fear but it also gives you a step forward that isn't staying in the fear where you ultimately feel powerless, even if you're not. Um, I am quote unquote lucky about my relationship. He is so good to me and treats me like a queen. Whereas I have my friends who have had problems with their relationships who aren't having luck on the apps. Okay. So what is the, all uh, the black or white fear associated with that? Does it feel like too good to be true or like the other shoe is going to drop? What tends to be that black or white fear for you? I'm going to I'm going to come circle back to this one. So I work for a contract company. I've had no project for one and a half months and fear letting and fear getting let go. Even though there are no projects to pick from, every single piece of perceived criticism has turned into they hate me and they're going to fire me. Yeah, I mean, I think that you would, I would reframe it. And in that situation, I would say it's a tense environment at work. No one's guaranteed a job. Um, no one's told me anything I've been doing wrong. I'm going to try to keep looking. You know, it's not like, you, I think calling it out to be like, yeah, it's, a, it's you know, nothing's guaranteed. It's a, it's kind of a shitty situation right now, but um, no one has said that I'm doing badly. No one has asked me to do things I haven't done. So short of asking them what more you could be doing, which if the answer is nothing, then I would find something to feel productive with on your end elsewhere, you know? Uh, but don't, don't try to eliminate that feeling of like, oh, they're gonna fire me because your brain's not gonna be like, oh yeah, you know, everything's probably fine. It's gonna hold on to the very real possibility that times are a little bit like cautious right now, you know? But on the other side of things, if you do have proof that they do like the work you do and your performance, then you know, you could be thinking on that if that helps in that moment. Be like, I'm just thinking this because I don't want to get fired. So maybe something as simple as that reframe. I'm just thinking this because I don't want to get fired. 
might even help is even though it's subtle. Results of my promotion board, they, oh wait, sorry, let's circle back to this one here. So perceived lucky relationship. Yes, or that I'll find him on the, are we dating the same guy Facebook page? Oh my God, I got added to a few of those. Where were those when I was out and about, little rascal about town? Damn, honestly. But those groups are terrifying. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, um, that he would be having side piece. Yeah, I think that's super, I definitely understand that. Um, and especially when you factor in chronic illnesses. Um, my husband's first blood test was take, he got his first blood test done when we were doing genetic testing for fertility stuff after being married. First ever blood test. And it was like, come on, you know, and then here I am, you feel kind of like a charity case sometimes, you know, and then when the insecurity creeps in, it's like, well, what, what could they be, you know, like, even if you're not feeling what could they be, you know, loving so much about me, but it's like, what could they be seeking elsewhere? What am I holding them back from? What, it's imposter syndrome. It's like, what am I fooling them into? You know, what are, are they going to actually be a piece of shit? And I was fooled this whole time. It's like things that feel too good to be true. Um, you think getting into safe relationships with safe, good people, you would start to feel safer. And typically when you grow up in a nightmare or in a tough situation of any kind, it's not the case. Like it doesn't feel safer it feels scarier because there's not as much like even when something's bad, at least, you know, where you stand, you know, if something is hell, you get used to that hell and at least you can grit it. And when you get out of that hell and you don't need to be acting that tough anymore, that's when it's the hard part, you know? Um, so I think it's just, that will get better. I'm, I think with the program and everything, as we're going to continue, I think with illness acceptance and with all the other shit we're working on, I would hope that that would get better too. But I think it's very real. I've experienced it. I've many of the clients have experienced it. Maybe some still are, you know, um, I would try to change that in your mind to be like, I wouldn't have intentionally married someone who would do that. You know, so maybe I need to, you know, maybe I can find a way to prioritize spending more quality time together or, Maybe we can do something that they're interested in, you know, or whatever, whatever would help you feel closer. Well, you would just want to say like, oh, maybe I can try this, you know, because ultimately you wouldn't intentionally marry someone who treated you badly. So if it'll help you feel closer in the meantime, whatever you need could be the thing you focus on. <clears throat> Sorry. Um... Results of my promotion board, they don't come out for a few months and delayed my fitness test because of back issues. So I feel like an imposter somewhat. Becca, if you could elaborate a little bit more on that. What is the, if you're like, damn, I can't believe I blah, blah, blah. Or, oh my God, I'm really sucking at blah, blah, blah. What do you think that phrase would be connected to that situation? My running. Okay. What do you tell yourself about it? If you could put it in a phrase. Or you can't do it. Okay. So then you would say, I really want to prioritize the best I can. I prioritize my upper body strength the best I can. I'm really going to try. Um, and I think it's, it's really important to me that I do everything I can to get to pass these boards, you know, more than, more than trying to eliminate the feeling. Again, we're trying to guide it. You're not trying to make it so that you're not worried about it. 
You're just trying to make it so that you have something to focus on moving you forward because that's why you're worried about it. You know, so if it turns into, um, <coughs> excuse me, if it turns into like a, oh my God, you know, they're going to judge me really harshly because I'm not going to meet the numbers that I need to meet for my evaluation. Um, tell yourself that might happen. I really, I realize that I need to put more emphasis on, um, I don't know how this would apply there, but evaluate for yourself. You know, what would you do better? What would you fare better practicing more leading up to those tests? What could help you in any way? You can maybe find something better, you know, when the time comes to it, maybe you just decide, decide to do something else, but it's more about in that moment, switching that thinking away from the, it's out of my control that this is going to suck and more into the, I can deal with what comes my way. And here's how I try to give my best step forward. You know, um, it's still going to feel like I'm nervous about that test, you know, but at least it won't be paralysis in that fear. Um, let's see my new diabetes diagnosis. I'm feeling more comfortable with it, but after the appointment with that terrible educator and before talking with you, I felt doom. Like, am I not capable of managing it? The last couple of weeks, it's been a big shift to a positive mindset Woo! that this is manageable and not the end of the world. I'm stopping the shame spirals way before they even get beyond a passing thought. I'm so proud of you. That's so hard. And diabetes is scary shit. <laughs> like it is scary shit. Um, and, you know, it, I think whether it's type one, type one and a half, type two, insulin resistance, you know, like whatever it is, insipidus, there's a lot of different variations. And all of it is a severe change to your daily life and the way that you think of everything. And if you don't do this, you have real repercussions. And that's terrifying. Um, and we don't exactly live in a society that makes that education like very accepting, accessible, easy, you know? So in that moment thinking like, am I not capable of managing it? I would probably say, I think I should, I think I would do better focusing on finding some support groups. I think I would be, I think I'd feel better if I looked for a couple books on the glycemic index on, if, you know, just finding something to focus on. I, I, I really feel like I could add in some YouTube diabetes, you know, videos, like videos of people who have been diagnosed later in life on YouTube, you know, like whatever comes to you, it's just about trying to put it into a step, you know, while still validating that kind of tough terrain. Um, agree with this about safety. Yeah, absolutely. It feels good to be true. It feels too good to be true. And you wonder when it will flip on you. Yeah. Like waiting for that other shoe to drop. Like, when am I going to, when are they going to be like, ha ha, silly bitch. You thought, you know, no one's waiting there to do that, but it feels that way. I mean, life kind of served that to us, you know, um, especially because I didn't get diagnosed until after marriage, even though I know he cares so much. I think that's hard to do. You know, I think what, cause I've been in the same situation, even though I've been sick growing up, I think like, um, I found out after we got married that my in-laws like asked my husband, like, are you sure you want to, you know, get involved with someone who's got so many health problems and stuff. And I was like devastated by that. Like that really just took a hit at me because I was like, are you, are you sure? You know, like I was like, it really, really hurt, but it was real. And in therapy, I talked about that and um, we discussed it being their choice to be with us and them being just as upset that someone they love is ill 
like as you would be if someone you love was ill. You know, it's like we are thinking so much of like what it's putting on them that we're not stopping and realizing like they might just straight up be sad that we're uh, we're ill. You know, and like it that's how we would be. We wouldn't be sitting here like, oh God, this fucking guy again. Like, here we go. Got to take care of his ass. You know, let me put on the act. God, I can't wait to go find some tail. You know, like that wouldn't be us. We'd be like chilling, you know, just trying to help and be supportive and look shit up, I guess, you know, like. And that's that black or white thinking. It'll screw us every time. And then before you know it, here they are caring and here, here, you know, and I don't know that every, anybody else does, but at least for me, it was like I was, Yasmin mentioned this before, I compounded it and made it worse because by feeling so bad that he was so caring, even though he was really, he he's really healthy, it was like I was making it a miserable environment. My illness wasn't making it a miserable environment. He wasn't upset that I'm tired. He's upset that I'm now sitting here calling myself the biggest piece of shit in the, on the earth because I'm tired. You know, and then that's what causes the problem. So it's black or white thinking. It'll screw us. It only feels safe. This is hasn't been brought up, but I think a lot of times we self-sabotage too to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely, because even that feels comfortable. Because you know what would be worse than to think you weren't that and you had to fall on your face and realize you tried to escape your fate and you can't. But here's the thing. You, the most amazing thing is that we can reinvent ourselves every single day that we are allowed to be here. We can reinvent ourselves. You know, I love using analogies and stuff. I said this one earlier and you guys, some of my vets listening to this for a while now have heard this, but Dyson, Dyson had 5,124 failed prototypes before they got one that worked correctly. So they had to put you get more funding, tell the investors, everyone, and go back to the drawing board. And all they did was continue to look and try and say, maybe it was this that didn't work. Okay, fix it, try it again. Maybe it was this, fix it, try it again. That is how they got to where they did 5,124 times. And now they've been around for like 35 years. They are multiple billions dollars a year company. Everyone knows, knows Dyson. It's on everyone's wedding registry, that annoying little yellow ball. Shit, the battery doesn't even last. But anyway, should have gotten a shark. But I digress. Uh, they could have given up a million times or all 5,123 times to be exact. And they didn't, you know, and it, if they looked at their shortcomings as like, that's it. I assume now I am done, failed. Then they would have failed. But failure, I know it sounds really cheesy, but failure doesn't exist. We have the power to reinvent ourselves. The time in which that takes and the things we have to do and the effort and all that, that's different situation to situation, of course. But, you know, that those 35 years passed for Dyson anyway. If they didn't try to get to 5,124, they would have had a very different 35 years anyway, right? That's what I teach you guys is like, you got to be here anyway. So really like, if you're not going to let everything burn in flames, right? Like none of you would, then really what's the problem in saying, if that's my prophecy, that's what I'm supposed to be, then fuck that. I don't want to, I'm going to try everything I can to learn and get away from that. I'm not going to feed into that. Of course, that's not what naturally happens because brains are brains, but I think it's important to mention. Absolutely.
It's the, that's why I had you guys say that and commit to trying over and over and over because teaching people something is great. You might leave the Zoom feeling, you know, invigorated and excited to look at things a different way and tomorrow morning wake up and it's gone. That's normal. This is something you're just hearing and di and just digesting at the end of the night, you know, like this isn't going to change all those years of dialogue and, and history and proof that you shouldn't feel this way, that like you shouldn't listen to me, but that's going to be harder to break. So it's all about just continuing to say like, I don't want to ever be that, do that self-fulfilling prophecy, like screw that. And, and it'll just take Dyson ass work. And not for nothing, Anthony Bourdain didn't get famous until he was in his late 40s, like 49 years old. He had been writing to the New Yorker for 15 years. He was a short order cook, you know, and he, he was Anthony Bourdain traveled the world, you know, like, but okay. So make sure I'm okay. My notes are done here. Let me check this chat. Okay. Oh, I think I went too far. It is hard. It is hard diabetes. Um, but then there is so much information and it's confusing and often shaming or wrong. Absolutely. It's like, it's isolating, you know? Um, I feel like, would it be helpful if I, I cause I don't want to like be invasive or anything, but if I started a chat in the page, um, like a thread, I should say, in a page that's dedicated to illnesses that fall outside of Hashimoto's and PCOS. Because a lot of you like have those, but and have other things. And then a lot of you don't have either one. So maybe, you know, you might be surprised at some similar diagnoses you guys share and at least maybe grow your support network a little bit if you're comfortable to comment on it or whatever. I don't want anyone to feel like it's weird or invasive. Um, I have this constant fear that my in-laws think this about me and wonder why their son married someone with so many problems. Yeah, they might. I mean, I, my in-laws, I, I think that's the thing is accepting you're strong enough to be happy, live, have a great marriage, even if your in-laws think that, because they might, you know, like they, my in-laws definitely thought that I, they, I assumed they did. And then I found out they did, you know, and it, but I mean, I got, none of them have ever had health issues. So I do think that there's also a certain like lack of empathy there that isn't their, their fault necessarily. Um, that took me a while to feel that way. I, I was just like really hurt and enraged at first, but that has no reflection on me. You know, like they just, if I, honestly, they were asking a good question because if he answered no, then he wouldn't have done me any service marrying me. I, you know, like I would have been, it would have been an awful time for both of us, you know, if he answered like, no, I don't want to marry someone like that, you know? So on the other side of it, as much as it sucked, I guess it really made it like a choice. It made it his actual preference and his choice to like, no matter what. And that's what I would have chosen too, you know? So, um, but it's definitely really scary. It's like the shittiest part of illness acceptance is that they can go get someone who's everything we wish we were and that they won't. And that is a mind fuck. Okay. Fun or not fact, Anthony Bourdain died the day I got diagnosed with MS. What a shitty anniversary. <laughs> oh my God, wait. We should, I should plan 
our first like international retreat for that day. And we should do it in like Rome and go to Anthony's restaurants. Cause like the ones he toured for no reservations. Cause I did that and it was amazing. So, and I just, I just love lumping things together, you know, like screw MS, screw Anthony Bourdain not being here, you know, and let's eat some pasta. I, I think it's a, a good plan. So um, yeah, I'll create the thread. Um, awesome. Yeah, we'll put the thread up. If, if you want to add the thread, you can, Chelsea, that'd be awesome. So I feel like it's, everything's always better. Like it's not out of laziness, but I love when you guys do stuff because it's like, it's like when a teacher said something versus like when one of your friends say something, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. I am that way with my mentor. You know how many times he said something to me and I hear it from another person like, oh, we could share the wealth here. But I, if you wouldn't mind making the thread, that would be great. Um, but yeah, so this only works if you put the work in, like I said, and the work here, we are not a chia seed, chicken and kale kind of thing. We are a mindset work kind of thing. That's the beginning and the start of everything. That's what keeps it going. So it's not a constant yo-yo and trying to fix things all the time, right? That works if you put the work in and the work comes in repetition and analyzing discomfort. So if after this call this week, you've committed, you've written it down, you've committed sucking at it and trying to learn. If you need any help with from reframing this, text me, text your coaches, you know, and um, you know, you, you don't, don't suck because you need help. All right. So you're all wonderful. Enjoy the rest of your week and I will talk to you soon. Bye.